Hey, everybody. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Hi. Stu. How you doing? We're doing it again. I don't think we should start. Nah, I think people love it. <laughs> people love when we talk like this. <laughs> you don't know how many years I probably sounded almost like that. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, my, uh, my uh, radio name when I was... 13, I was working two stations, one across the street from the other. Mm. And so I couldn't have the same name. <laughs> and so the program director gave me, uh, not John St. John, Michael St. Michael, I think it was. It was <laughs> something ridiculous. Michael St. Michael. Michael St. Michaels. And uh, welcome to the program. <laughs> Halfway through, I kept blowing my name. You know, you know me. And, you don't uh, know anyone else's name. You certainly don't know your own name. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'd be like, Michael. Uh, and I finally just said, okay, it's Glenn Beck. Um, that was the last time I worked at that station. But <laughs> that was I, the last time Michael St. Michael worked at that station. <laughs> <laughs> we got a great podcast for you today. You don't want to miss a second of it. We have Richard Grinnell on. He was fascinating. Uh, gosh, who else did we have on today? Uh, oh, we had the lawyer for mm. the, the, the guy who was busted by the FBI. We don't know what for. He gave some inside information that I think is really, really amazing. And we also had Richard Paul Evans for a few minutes. He is the author of the the number one best-selling book series, Michael Vay. It's a young adult uh, uh, book, and it's it's chapter number eight. It is the eighth book in the Michael Vay series. You don't want to miss it. Grab it for your kids, your grandkids. All right. The podcast is coming up just a second. First, let me tell you about Goldline. Goldline, right now, you know, people are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to invest in gold. Where are you going to put your money where you know your money's not going to go to uh, zero? You're going to put it in Bitcoin? Have you seen Bitcoin lately? You're going to put it in the stock market? Have you seen your stock market? You're going to put it in houses. Have you seen what's happening to the price of houses? Even if gold doesn't zoom through the roof, which I think eventually it will, um, even though it won't zoom through the roof, you're not going to lose your money in that. I mean, at least that's the idea. And so far, it's proving accurate. Everything else is temporary. Gold is something that the world will return to. Already, Russia, China, India, all returning to gold. You can put some of your uh, money from your uh, IRA right into gold, into your retirement plans, into gold or silver or precious metals. Tell Goldline that I sent you from the podcast, and they'll help you find out exactly what you can do to protect the assets that you do own. And as a thank you for just calling in, just mention MYB, Mind Your Business, and they'll give you a silver bar that says Mind Your Business, which is what our first coins used to say before, In God We Trust. I love Mind Your Business. Um, you can get one of those for free just for calling in. So go to goldline.com, call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, do you remember? Man, I'm in a good mood today. I just, I want to welcome you. And there's no sarcasm to that at all. I find the news just wonderful and beautiful today. And definitely not fascistic. I want you to know, only that lady from Italy, you know, pepperoni eyes over there. 
She is a fascist. She's clearly a fascist. How do I know? Because all of the media is saying she's the biggest fascist and going to be the first fascist in charge since Mussolini. So she's got to be a fascist because I believe the media. Mm-hmm. So there's another and very non-fascistic story uh, coming out of Idaho today. Their great governor. Oh, he is good. He was the guy who was making all of the really crazy draconian laws for a Republican uh, up in uh, Idaho during, you know, COVID. And they shut down all the parks. Remember, because you can't play. You cannot play in a public park. My gosh, why would you play in a public park? You bringing your kids to play in a public park? What do you want to kill grandma and everybody else on earth? So at one point, I think this was about a year into it. It was uh, July 2021, I think. So that was what, year and a half into it? Um, some, uh, some people, sorry, I'm on the wrong story. This happened in uh, 2020. Okay, early weeks of the lockdown video goes uh, viral of a mom arrested by local police after her and her children were playing in the Kleiner Park playground, which was closed. Okay, so they put her in cuffs and they marched her away and they arrested her and charged her with trespassing in a closed park. I hope that woman rots in jail. Now, as bad as it seems that this happened in the first place, um, the really good governor and his really good sidekick, why Nell is tied to a train track, Dudley Do-Right will be there. He uh, He's decided as the attorney general that he's going to continue the prosecution of this woman. Uh-huh. So she's now spent about $25,000 uh, defending herself, and uh, they're still going after her. She's finally getting her day in court. But what's two years of having that hung over your head? You know what I mean? She says uh, it's uh, kind of hard to fight a state that has unlimited resources, can continue to prosecute this indefinitely. Our family has been through so much. We've been doxxed. We've been harassed. We've had child protective services called on us simply for me taking my kids to the playground. And knowing what we now know about COVID and all the falsehoods that had been perpetrated on the American people, the fact they're still prosecuting me adds insult to injury. Boy, I would have to say uh, you're right, Sarah Brady. Sarah... uh, Keep fighting. Keep fighting. But it's definitely not fascism that you're fighting. Now, there's a couple of other stories here. You know, when I look at politics, I look at yesterday, we were like, who else can they run? Is there someone in a vegetative state that the Democrats could run? You know, because... They don't seem to like people who can think or talk anymore. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, Fetterman, the clown from up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Did I mention Joe Biden? Kamala Harris. Did I mention Joe Biden? Um, What's her name from uh, California? Uh, What's her name? Feinstein. Feinstein. Mm -hmm. 
She's not even doing the work. They're admitting that she's not even doing the work. Yeah. Why, why is she still there? What, what, what is wrong with us? Well, today I'd like to focus on how about maybe people who have kind of criminal activity in their background. For instance, uh, Hunter Biden now, um, it looks like there was another national security nightmare. Uh, he had a Fang Fang um, encounter. So with Fang Fang, I don't think with Fang there was Fang, a, a different, no, a different uh, spy from yeah, China. Different. He mm-hmm. was uh, he was dabbling with a Chinese spy, but her name was Jaya Kabao. Jaya so, Kabao. Jaya Kabao. And Definitely Fang not Fang. Fang Fang, but Jaya Kabao, and uh, and apparently they were. Um, you know, doing the fang fang thing, and uh, and it wow. So another another spy. Now um, there's another th- something here that you should uh, be aware of. The Democratic Senate candidate uh, that is uh, running against Senator Chuck Grassley uh, was accused last week of sexually assaulting his former campaign manager. Uh, nobody's giving this any story because it's no 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 time on the news because they're so busy talking about Fang Fang and Hunter Biden and all the rest. Uh, so MSNBC, CNN, they just haven't had time time to get to that story. Mike Franken raised more than four point six million dollars, won the support of prominent Democrats such as Mark Kelly, the guy who's hopefully going to lose in uh, Arizona, and Tim Kaine in Virginia. And it was kind of derailed a little bit when he was accused of forcibly kissing his former campaign manager, according to a police report she filed in April. No, how old were you in April, though? Yeah, I mean, who didn't make mistakes? Who didn't make mistakes back in April? Was April before or after the Revolutionary War? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so then you have Democratic Katie Porter. Um, She's a... She's she's running for uh, for California uh, for the for the uh, state house again or for the uh, uh, Congress position. Uh, Katie Porter apparently is in a tiff from the Irvine Police Department that um, you know they they arrested the guy who lives with her um, because he was in a fight that broke out at her town hall event and. She's like, hey, the Irvine police, they're just arresting anyone right now, including the guy I'm sleeping with. I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that about her. That might that might besmirch her good name. Just the person that lives with her. She may not be sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Mexico uh, congressional hopeful, his name is Gabe Vasquez. He gave a fake name during an anti-police rant uh, to a journalist at a Black Lives Matter protest in the summer of 2020. A Washington Free Beacon investigation uh, kind of looked up and they were like, you know, this guy kind of seems familiar. And they found out, oh, oh, because that's a fake name. This is this is the guy uh, who we interviewed who uh, expressed a desire to fund defund the police. Quote, we need serious police reform in this country, he said, over a chance of no justice, no peace. 
It's not just about defunding police. It's about defunding the entire system that privileges white people over everyone else. Now, the interviewee shielded much of his face in a hat and a neck gaiter and sunglasses. And he just said, when he was asked, what's your name? James Hall. Uh, And I'm from here. So apparently when um, when the uh, Washington Free Beacon saw that, they were like, wow, he looks like Gabe Vasquez. Um, And apparently he is. But Gabe, on the other hand, much unlike his alter ego, the shadow is for the police. So he just would like you to know that. So (laughs) it's a really convincing story there. Yeah, I thought so, Mm -hmm. too. Uh, Manchin has attacked extreme Sanders over opposition to uh, his energy permitting plan. And I wish I had sympathy for Manchin, but I don't. I do for the people in West Virginia. But for Manchin, no, I really don't. Uh, Apparently, Senator uh, Sanders is standing in the way of, you know, helping his deal go through that he had with the Biden administration. And they're not helping him. That's sad. Sanders. That's sad. Sanders is just a regular guy. Hmm. You know? So that's very sad. So if you like any of those people who have some crime in their lives or lies in their lives, Democratic ticket, Democratic ticket is for you. Uh, it's got some good, good people up there. Yeah. Good people. Uh, and we learned, of course, from, from John Fetterman that the Eagles are better than the Eagles yesterday, which was. Uh, well, no, don't say it that way because, I mean, you miss all of the excitement. <laughs> uh, here he is. And the Eagles are so much better then the Eagles! The Eagles! No. No. Good. This is good. This is good. This is this is weekend at Bernie Sanders, is what this is. That's yeah, good. And they are putting him... He's <laughs> He can barely communicate in any way. He's a socialist in a hoodie. And uh, they are going to prop him up and try to make him... We're going to make that whole thing work. I don't know. I, this is, it's a very, very dark time. You know what I really, what I really like is uh, that the rest of the world, the Western world, is starting to lead the way out of fascism and we're still going in. Well, I mean, Spain is too. The Spanish government officially reported, uh, reportedly claims children can have sexual relations with whomever they want. It's about time. Okay. Someone finally said it. Yeah, I mean, geez, the the age of sexual consent in Spain is 16. And so, I mean, you have 16, and this allows them to live their life free of violence and allows them in the future to freely live out their sexuality mm. at really any age, at any age. It's a real so, priority. Real yeah. priority to make sure kids can get can express themselves sexually. That's a it's a priority, and, and it's, it's a priority I, for Nambla. I know that right, and it's a it's also a real priority to be able to say, 
hey, sexual relations with whomever they want. So, you know, your kid's 12 and having sex with a 30-year-old. Hmm. What's your problem, old timer? What is your problem? What could possibly go wrong? Can anyone think of anything that could go wrong in that situation? I can't. Sounds great. So here's a here's a really good thing. Um, there There is a movement afoot. We're not leading it, but there is a movement all around the world. And you're seeing it in election after election after election. You're seeing it in Europe, certainly, a lot over the past uh, couple of months. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it does make me a little nervous because, you know, far right over there means something different than it does over here. But so far, uh, other than smears, I don't see anything happening. Yeah, with the Italian uh, incoming prime minister there, they're talking about her decisions she was making as a teenager, right? Uh, As a teenager, she joined some controversial group that had some roots uh, in fascism, and she at times uh, expressed some some leniency toward Mussolini that maybe she shouldn't have had when uh, she was well, young. Can I tell you something? Almost everybody in Italy seems to have that. That You've mentioned that before. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't tell you. People are like, you know, Mussolini, he was bad in the end because he joined up with Hitler. and But he wasn't, and it's true, he wasn't, you know, rounding up Jews or anything else. Uh, but he was, you know, making the trains run on time. And they were, you know, a lot of people look back at him fondly which is really really weird and francisco franco some spanish people do yeah yeah very it's interesting that that stuff still kind of hangs around that's the only that that's their only choice it's either communism socialism or fascism they don't have that third way which is our way they call it the third way, but yes, you're right. They don't. Uh, yeah, they, I, I I agree with you. It's it's a very strange thing, and it goes back to this idea that there's no government without centralized control. There's no government without a powerful central government. Because which is we're, right. the, we're the one place that violated that right. that standard, and I think to, to good effect. Because we said r- rights yeah. come from God; they yeah. don't come from the government. We're the only ones that recognize that. And if you can just get your arms around that, that means no government can hurt the individual. Everybody else is like, yeah, we'll save the individual through the collective. Okay, pipe down. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So we've been telling you this week uh, about the story of the pro-life activist that the FBI raided his house at 720. But we don't we don't know all of the story because the FBI, of course, we can't discuss ongoing investigations. Uh Uh-huh. And so we have not talked to the family, but we have very good um, connections and, and people who we know who have talked to the family. So we wanted to get their attorney on today, Peter Breen. He is uh, with the Thomas More Society, Vice President, Senior Counsel, uh, and find out the entire story. Peter, how are you, sir? I am doing great, Glenn. I'm looking at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Uh, wow. So glad to be on site here for the arraignment today. Okay, so tell me, tell tell us a story and give us the timeline. Well, 
in in October of last year, uh, there were uh, you know they were outside of the Planned Parenthood here in uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, there was an abortion escort, a gentleman named Bruce Love, seventy two years old, known for having a pretty foul mouth. Uh, and he's out there on the sidewalk. Our protagonist, uh, Mark Houck, he is uh, he is the pro-life sidewalk counselor. He's there with his 12-year-old son as well, who's praying on the sidewalk. And uh, you know they're having a, a normal day, except that uh, Mr. Love approaches and starts harassing the 12-year-old son. Uh, words exchanged, alter- altercation ensues, and uh, you know. Mr. Love claims to be a victim now, uh, having despite the fact he was an aggressor on this. Okay, so he went and he started something with the son. The father steps in is like, "Hey, back off, back off, my son." And right, like any any good father would do. Okay, so he he pushed him, or how how did? Well, there was well, and 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 certainly we're we're going to contend that uh, it was all defensive and that Mr. Love's the aggressor. Uh, The other side, you know, Mr. Love says he was the victim. Uh, you know, he ended up on the ground, was there for about three seconds, popped right back up, uh, claims he had a scrape on his arm uh, from falling. So uh, but uh, you know, it's the sort of thing you'd say, well, if a crime was actually committed, then take it to the D.A. and, and charge it. Well, uh, Mr. Love took it to the D.A. D.A. didn't didn't prosecute. And this is the Philly D.A. This isn't uh, some sort of pro-life activist. Right. Uh, and then Mr. Love continues. He makes a private criminal complaint, which apparently you can do in Pennsylvania. And the state courts eventually throw it out. Mr. Love can't be troubled to show up for the hearings uh, for his own criminal complaint. And now, of, of course, uh, Mark Houck, he shows up uh, faithfully. And so they throw the case out. We were actually considering filing an abuse of process lawsuit against uh, uh, Mr. Love. And then all of a sudden we get this target letter from the United States Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Uh, that was in May of this year. Uh, saying that they're investigating our client for uh, apparent violations of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, the Federal Face Act is what but, we call it. But he wasn't. Right. No, I mean, uh, it, it's it, 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 the funny thing about this is in this very district, we won a case three years ago on this same set of facts where you had the pro-life sidewalk counselor and the abortion escort. They have a little back and forth. They joust a bit and and, you know, physical altercation. But no one's hurt. It, it just this this sort of thing happens very occasionally when you're in very close proximity on the sidewalk. Uh, so we won this case three years ago. Our attorney sends a letter. So, so the, the target letter to to Mark Houck says, we'd like to talk to your attorney. Well, we respond in writing. We have a, a it was a, a senior experienced former federal prosecutor uh, representing Mark and uh, says, hey, by the way, you don't have a case based on the, the, the decision we just won three years ago in this district. And if you are going to indict regardless, we will present our client. Please just send us a summons and we'll bring him. So we did that in June, made phone calls to the U.S. attorney. Nothing returned. The next we hear is this last Friday afternoon or Friday morning, your client's in custody. Uh, so that is where, uh, where things were with the U.S. attorney. They sent... 20. It was interesting. Uh, uh, Ryan Marie, who's uh, uh, Mark's wife, she thought she saw 25. The FBI came back and said it wasn't 25. It was no more than 15 or 20 heavily <laughs> armed federal agents. Yeah. And, and, and she had called them a SWAT team because uh, she's a layperson. She doesn't, I, I, I don't know the difference between a SWAT team and a bunch of heavily armed, armored and you know, shield bearing 
of federal agents. I, I didn't realize there was a difference, but I guess there is. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, they had guns drawn and pointed at Mark in front of his wife and their seven children. Uh, so that whole show of force was done against a man who was not a drug lord, not a mafia boss, but instead a law-abiding pillar of the community whose attorney said, we'll bring him in if you decide to charge, even though you have no case. Uh, so that's where we are. So how did this get to the uh, to the feds? How do you suppose? <laughs> I well, mean, it's I, a pretty small, you know, case here that was thrown out. It, it, it well, I am assuming that Planned Parenthood had something to do with it because I, I, I'd imagine Mr. Love has not got enough pull with uh, Maine Justice to get this done. And, and that was something we found out on Friday. The press release uh, from the, the DOJ, normally they would do this through the U.S. Attorney's Office locally. Well, they noted they did a press release out of Maine Justice in D.C., and they noted the trial team is going to be led by a D.C. Department of Justice lawyer. Uh, so you, you start putting all this together and you go, how did they send 20 heavily armed federal agents out to this peaceful man's house? How do you get lawyers from Maine Justice coming into to Philadelphia? And uh, all you can do is say, well, this is being directed at a very high level within the uh, Department of Justice. Uh, does the, did the attorney general himself approve the raid? I don't know, but certainly one of his top lieutenants would have. So Planned Parenthood says they have a tape. Have you seen it? You know, I, I have seen and we've got some evidence we're putting together. Uh, some of it we can show some of it. We can't because, I, you know, the way we dis, we discovered it, uh, everything I've seen uh, substantiates our claim, which is no federal violation happened here. And that Mr. Bruce Love was the aggressor. Um, can you tell me, uh, because I've had questions, I understand this, but for people who don't who are not necessarily the people who go out and and uh, stand in front of abortion clinics may not understand. Why would you bring your son to to a place where you think there might be an altercation? Well, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, there are no altercations. Uh, and it, it's the sort of thing where uh, folks, people of faith, pro-life folks uh, bring their families at times to pray in front of the abortion clinic. Uh, this is a, a, a great injustice of our time. Uh, these folks right, rightly believe uh, we've had this dispute uh, for 50 years in this country. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you bring your kids. And so uh, you certainly don't expect a 72-year-old foul-mouthed man to, to harass and intimidate your 12-year-old child. I mean, a, a 72-year-old man should know better than to do that. Uh, so that really normally... These things don't normally happen. They very occasionally happen. But remember, there are what, many hundreds of abortion clinics across the country and folks outside them on a regular basis every day. So we look um, at the different things that have happened. Uh, justice being called, you know, on parents that disagree. Uh, now this we. um uh, we also have FBI agents who are now testifying that they came out and they s tried to speak out and whistleblow and that they're not being fired. They're being they're being destroyed um, by the uh, by the Justice Department. Is there any step beside just getting this dismissed that should be done to get the Justice well, Department in line? Is there any step you guys can engage in? We we are going to use every tool within 
our process here to get justice for Mark and his family. Uh, I have already seen a number of uh, congressmen and senators who are making noise about bringing Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland in to, to answer for this. And really, he needs to. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that those 20 whom I presume to be just perfectly dedicated, regular federal agents, I can't imagine they were excited about being called out to a peaceful man's home, guns drawn on him to, to drag him out of it, you know, to have him pound on his door, bring him out of his house while he's trying to enjoy his morning coffee. Uh, you know, this is, I would hope there are going to be some whistleblowers, whether on this raid or, or, you know, in some of these other circumstances that the Congress maybe can, uh, can use their power to be able to get more of the story. And is there any, what would, let's say the, the face, which is blocking the entrance uh, of a abortion clinic and, and, and trying to block people from entering the abortion clinic. That's what's against the law. If, if that were even true, that that's what he was doing. What would the the penalty be for that? Well, and, and it can be if you have violence involved, you can then be in, in federal penitentiary for many years. Uh, so up to about 10 years or so, as, as I recall, uh, if there's no violence, then you get to six months to up to 18 or, or thereabouts, depending on whether it's first offense or multiple. The, the, the issue here, though, is that we have case law that supports us there at least for the altercation that that the folks have been discussing, there were no abortion patients around. It wasn't an issue of trying to keep somebody in or out of an abortion clinic. It's a matter of defending your 12-year-old child from a, a gentleman with a very foul mouth who was harassing him. Uh, so that's that really, we, we are confident in our defenses. And, and I would say, uh, Glenn, after Dobbs, there's still a question about whether FACE is even within the power of the Congress to enact based on uh, the fact that Abortion is not a federal right anymore. What's the basis to take, you know, regular altercations on a sidewalk somewhere in Pennsylvania and bring federal charges over it? Why should the average American care about this? Well, I don't know about you. I don't want to be dragged out of my house while I'm trying to enjoy my morning coffee by 20 heavily armed federal agents pointing pointing guns at me and have my, my wife and kids have to watch that uh, all because I exercise my First Amendment rights. Or I just happen to step out of line uh, at this point. Uh, it is a real uh, this is a real issue that people you know, it should wake us up, uh, not just the overreach. Uh, I mean, bringing, bringing the lawsuit would be bad enough or bringing the prosecution bad enough. But then executing the cert, the, the arrest warrant the way they did, it, it, it should frighten all of us. Have you produced the letter yet that says, hey, we'll bring our client in. And would you be willing to uh, share that? Absolutely. Okay. I, I will. I will. Uh, my, we will. We will send that to you right away. OK, I'd like to I'd like to see because that totally that, that totally changes everything in my point of view. You know, it's it's uh, I, I think your client is in the right here, but you never know. Give the benefit of the doubt. But if you said three months ago, we will produce our client. It's not a problem. Just let us know. Why would they have chosen this other than to intimidate and send a message to everybody? And that that's the that's the issue. And again, the point is, if let's say let's say you believe them and my client was in the wrong. That's a matter for the local D.A. It's not a federal case. It's certainly not a face violation. 
Nobody was stopped from having an abortion or what have you. The only reason to do this is to intimidate people of faith and pro-life Americans from exercising their rights. I wish you all the uh, best of luck and the best to your um, the best to your client, uh, the family. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what the kids are going through right now. But thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. God bless. Hey, thank you, Glenn. God bless you too. You bet. Um, keep this family um, and this uh, and this attorney in your prayers. Um, this has got to stop, and uh, I fear it's going to get uglier before it gets better. Uh, especially if Republicans don't show up and vote. If you don't vote, this kind of stuff is going to go crazy. Um, So please go out and vote. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Richard Grinnell. Richard, how are you, sir? Thanks for having me, Glenn. It's one of my favorite times is to uh, have a long conversation with you. So yeah, thank you for I, inviting me. I appreciate it. You're welcome on this program anytime. Um, yeah, I've got so much to talk to you about. Um, but let me start here first with your thoughts on what is happening with the FBI between Mar-a-Lago and now the the pro-life advocate who had... Uh, the the FBI come into his house, even though his attorney said he'll come in anytime. Just tell us when. Yeah, it's really outrageous. Look, we, we have to start and finish this conversation by saying that the rank and file FBI agents are very good patriots who love their country, who do not want partisan politics involved in the investigations. No weaponization of the tools of the FBI and DOJ. But unfortunately, the leadership I saw firsthand, the leadership is not like that. Uh, Look, we we have a system, whether it's DOJ or the FBI or the State Department or the Department of Defense. In order to get promoted in the swamp, you have to do certain things that the swamp wants you to do. You just don't get promoted up the chain, which means pay increases, which means better uh, retirement, it, it means uh, a bigger salary and a bigger office, all of those accoutrements that we value as humans. And so Washington, D.C. has created a system that unless you abide by their rules, which is woke rules, which is always going after Republicans, uh, this is the system that is created in our bureaucracy And people are eager to climb that ladder, so they play that game. But I will tell you, we have a crisis at DOJ and at the FBI because they have weaponized their power against people they don't like. It's crushing dissent. And look no further, Glenn, than first and second generation Americans who are the canaries in the coal mine. They have left fascism and totalitarianism they're the ones on the front lines screaming about the Democratic are. Party, the media, and the problems in, in Washington, D.C. They see it. They left it. So can we, can we rid ourselves of it? I mean, you were front and center in this fight when Trump was in office. Uh, you know it from the inside as the DNI. So can we crush this? Yeah, I, we can. And the reason why I say that is because I, uh, I faced the rank and file. Look, I'll tell you a very quick story. When I was declassifying certain transcripts and certain information, I looked at the information and it was clear to me it was not a source of how we collect intelligence and it was not a method uh, 
on, on how we gathered it. And, and I went straight to the DOJ and FBI leadership. And I said, I'm, I'm, I have the authority. I'm going to declassify this information. And both Barr and uh, Ray just, you know, really said, no, uh, it's not a good idea. Um, they started by doing the bureaucratic thing of delaying me, asking, uh, you know, stupid questions that just were clearly about bureaucracy, shoving me off on their deputies who would then create more bureaucracy. I, I, I was no dummy. I knew what they were doing. So I pushed forward for a meeting with the rank and file FBI agents whose names had been clearly attached to the redactions and to the, uh, to the, to the, classified information blocking. And I, and I had a meeting, I pushed forward, looked them in the eye and I said, why did you classify? Why did you redact this information? It's clearly not a source or method. They looked at me across the table at the department of justice and said, we didn't, uh, we don't agree with that. We didn't want to do that. Our bosses did. Mm. There were wimpy people in leadership who hide behind the the tough decisions by throwing other people under the bus. As soon as I heard that, I said, I'm, I'm unredacting this. This is an outrage. This is a cover up. And of course, um, you know, the leadership was not supportive, but I didn't care. They threatened to, to sue me or <clears throat> expose me as someone who was uh, sharing classified information. I said, Oh, baloney, I'll challenge you. And by the way, once I did it, once I unredacted it, once I released it to the public and everybody saw that there was a cover up of the Russian collusion hoax, no one sued me. They threatened to, they tried to stop me. But the reality is in telling you the story is that the rank and file know there's a problem. They hate it. But uh, this is their life. They live in Washington, D.C., and this is their career, and this is, you know, everything they know and their family needs is in this job, and they will be thrown out, and it, it will be very difficult for them. So we need leadership change. It's a long answer to say, yes, it can be done. We need leadership change. Do I have, do I have Attorney General Barr wrong? Because I, I, I met with him, and I, I really liked him. I thought he was an honest guy. Um, and, uh, but there were a few things that didn't quite make sense to me. Um, and we've seen nothing come out of the investigations that, you know, he was supposedly protecting. Do I have him wrong? Is he a bad Look, guy? I, I'm, I'm somebody that, um, recognizes that there are, uh, gray patterns, oh, yes. right? Okay. That not everything is not black and white. Um, I sat next to Attorney General Barr in the cabinet. Um, he was incredibly nice to me. He was incredibly complimentary of my brave and courageous work and, and uh, I think relatively supportive. But there were times when he, as someone who values Washington, D.C., he is somebody who wanted to have a life still in the Washington, D.C. legal circles, um, couldn't get past tradition. Right. Okay. And I think that's the best way to say it is, okay. is that there are people trapped by tradition who don't want to support the outsiders or the people that are rocking the boat. And that to me, sense. 
Barr failed that test too many times. Okay, Um, let me ask you, with the um, with the DOJ and Donald Trump, I mean, it 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 seems as though the DOJ was very nervous about what Donald Trump had um, and they have gone after him because he's got something on them. Right. Because of tradition. Look, the, the Records Act people are total hypocrites. You look at how they treated Obama. Right. And it's completely different than how they're treating Trump. This is Correct. this. Think of the Records Act people as the ultimate swamp creatures to control. Here is a group of people who literally are saying we bureaucrats must collect and approve what the president of the United States does. I'm sorry, that, that, that's crazy. The president of the United States doesn't report to anyone when it comes to classifying information or declassifying information. This is clear in the law, but it's not clear in the tradition of Washington, D.C. These traditionalists, these people, well, everybody always comes to the Records Act people. And, you know, we are people that that get to control this. Mm -hmm. It's a control thing. Washington, D.C. doesn't do well when people throw out tradition and try to fight for the people rather than for the process. So did did. Was the FBI trying to cover their tracks? Yeah, look, on a daily basis, all of the agencies in Washington, D.C., including the FBI and DOJ, they classify information when they look bad so that it doesn't get out to the public. You've got people like Adam Schiff who play along with this and who only leak certain information that helps the Democrats. It happens on the right as well. But but what we're seeing is, is that this, swamp attitude is a protection of the system and Mm. so yeah they don't want the bad pr that they made a really bad decision early on with the fisa warrant there was so many there were so many warnings early on that the russian collusion hoax was a hoax perpetrated by hillary's people throughout the government victoria newland who was the assistant secretary of state for Europe at the time, who ushered in the Steele dossier in London. And, uh, you know, guess guess who else was the station chief at that time in London was Gina Haspel, who became the CIA director. So you've really got this swamp mentality of, of, of protecting Hillary early on, trying to come up with every way they can to make sure that Hillary wins. And DOJ leadership, FBI leadership playing along because the system in D.C. wanted Hillary. She had been secretary of state. Right. She she was somebody they knew. And, and it she was had a team. It was and the team was acting. It was also, though, because this at least it seems to me that this, um, you know, great reset, this uh, ESG system is in play all over the world. And, you know, I think this is why they're going after anyone who I mean, look what's happening. Look what happened with the uh, what was it? The Swedish elections. Now the Italian elections. People are starting to say we don't want your your central bank telling us what to do. We don't want the government to collude with business and the central bank. It's it's not what we're looking for. By the way, 
By the way, if the European Union or the central bank or the feds were making decisions about the people, I don't think you would see the pushback. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Uh, but, but over time, let, let's let's just take corporate America, Glenn. You and I know Republicans have been very supportive of corporate America, lower taxes, lower taxes and chamber of commerce events. And then the corporate America went the way of the media and our universities. They're completely woke. They're not for the people. They're for their own power. We all see it. Why are Republicans still wanting to fight for corporate America and lower taxes for corporate America? I'm not there. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with this woke. I, I look, I think the counterculture is now conservative because the big man controls the universities, the media, Wall Street, corporate America, everything. If, if you want to be a 60s hippie that goes after the big man and does your own thing, you better be a conservative to this day. This is why Bill Maher is like abandoning the left. Richard, I have to ask you one more question before we get to California, and that is you were the ambassador of Germany in Germany when uh, they laughed at Donald Trump trying to warn him about being reliant on Russian energy. How much trouble is Europe in right now? I mean, we are we are in a uh, watching a heap of trouble for Europe. Uh, they they resisted every single diplomatic nicety, every single diplom- diplomatic uh, push. Uh, we tried to be uh, you know strong. We tried to be uh, silent. We tried to be uh, you know as diplomatic as possible. Nothing worked. We we had all sorts of levels of pressure, and Chancellor Merkel led. Uh, the Germans to uh, really get rid of the supply of energy. Now, look, the reason she did it, and it's it's not talked about, but the Green Party in Germany was on the rise. They were about to get her. And so what we really saw is her survival instincts kicked in politically. Mm. She wanted power. So she grabbed and triangulated on the Green Party issues, got rid of nuclear energy, announced she was getting rid of coal. This was, you know, had the Frankfurt soccer moms all excited to join her party. And and so that's what happened. And, you know, shame on the media. People Mm -hmm. like Christiana Amanpour, who celebrated every decision of Merkel and never held her to account. Now we find ourselves in a heap of trouble. I don't know if you saw this morning, but... Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 have had some sort of explosions. They're now leaking gas. Uh, clearly, clearly, we know that that wasn't just happenstance. Somebody did it, and somebody's out to sabotage. But, but you know, this, this is a problem for our media in Europe, who, who uh, really launched Merkel and her decisions and celebrated her and never stopped, and, and also the, the American media, who did the same thing, who called her just a genius. We need to have a debate about the 16 years of Merkelism. Let me talk to you quickly, because we're running out of time. And Richard, I would love to have you on again, if, 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 if I may ask now to have right. you on again. Um, but uh, uh, talk to me about California, because California seems to be the anti-DeSantis. It seems to me that in 2024... <laughs> Uh, or 2020, whenever, uh, eight, we are going to have two states to look at. The DeSantis, Florida, and the California under uh, Gavin Newsom. And they are going in radically different ways. 
Yeah, they are. And I'm trying to, I'm on a one man uh, mission to separate the word California from, from Gavin Newsom. It's Gavin Newsom who is, uh, you know, we, we live on the ocean in California, but we can't increase the supply of water somehow. Uh, we're just telling people to conserve. We, we have the worst energy solutions. I'm no, I'm no great economist, but when I went to Harvard, I had to show up early to do dummy economics. And in that class, I learned that if you increase the supply, you can actually lower the, the equilibrium price. And so it's basic economics that Gavin Newsom doesn't understand. We need to increase the supply. My attitude is I want to do to California what Stacey Abrams did to Georgia. If you would have told me five years ago that Georgia was going to send two progressive left blue senators to Washington, D.C. to represent Georgia, I would have said you're full of it. it. It should be a red state. But she dug deep. Stacey Abrams went county by county, registering people to vote and doing all sorts of of manipulations. You look at Ohio and Florida, who used to control everything that happened in American Mm -hmm. politics for the White House. They were purple, purple. Now they're hard red. Now, why, why is that? Because people took the time, a five year, six year plan to register people to vote. We're doing that in California. I took a pass at running for governor because the numbers just don't add up right now. Right. But what I did do is launch Fix California. You can go to fixcalifornia.com. Our donors, Glenn, in California are, are showing up for this wow. Fix California initiative. We're doing great stuff, registering so many voters. We found 1.4 million conservatives sitting on the sidelines in California. Wow. to get them registered. Wow. Um, all right, Richard, great to talk to you. Uh, my best to uh, you and your family. Um, go to fixcalifornia.com. That's fixcalifornia.com. Na, 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 na.